0: my name is uh, Pastor Joel Hess, and I have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to support the ministry, the mission that God is doing here in the uh, Lincoln Park area through St. James, please go to our website and uh, donate online. Thanks for listening. our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Better watch out what you pray for because you just might get it. Have you uh, ever heard that phrase before? Watch out for you ask for, you might just get it. You know, it's when something you, you really want, you say you want it, but when you actually get it, it's a little bigger, it's a little too much, maybe you Maybe you really can't handle it. I don't know what that might be. Uh, maybe it was you really wanted to get to this really high-tier college. You got in, you prayed about it, and here you are, and you discovered, oh my goodness, it's lots of work, you know? I don't know if you've gotten a, a gift like that. You prayed for something and got it and realized, oh man, now I have to deal with this. I don't know. Maybe it was uh, taking a call here. Maybe that was uh, one of those things. <laughs> Uh, No, not at all. It's great here, absolutely wonderful here. Uh, But you know what I mean. Watch out what what you ask for, what you want, what you pray about. You might just get it, and I would say that's what happened in today's gospel lesson, and I think that's kind of what happens in our lives with Jesus. Matthew tells us in chapter 2 that Jesus had been born. Uh, and it was the time of King Herod, and uh, Jesus is in Bethlehem. And these wise men from the east, now don't get caught up in that. Uh, it, 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 um, I guess that's probably the best translation, the Greek is magi, they're not kings. Um, I don't, we don't, what is wise men, I guess in Chicago, wise men or in New York might not sound so good, uh, you know, so what is it, they're probably scholars. Uh, they're probably wealthy, they're probably successful, they're probably renaissance men. They, they're, they dabble in everything, they're, they're well respected, they know a lot, it's kind of like a Thomas Jefferson sort of deal. Uh, and they're, the east is probably Persia, it's probably Iran. And what's interesting, if you think about it, first of all, why might people in Persia or um, actually maybe even Iraq, Babylon, it might be the east. Why would they know anything about a Jewish king, the star, of course, but the people of Israel were exiled in the 6th century from Jerusalem, and they were all brought, and they were taken over by Babylon. And they probably still, many of them probably still live there, so it's not crazy that these, these guys from out the east are interested, know something about Jewish scriptures. And so Matthew tells us these guys from the east, but what's really important is they're not they're not Jews. They're not from Jerusalem, they're not from Israel. they are strangers. OK? And they are coming to Jerusalem, and they're asking, "Where is this child who's been born king of the Jews?" Like, it's a done deal. for we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage. When King Herod heard about this, he was frightened. Why is King Herod frightened? What do you think? They're saying that a king of the Jews has been born. Well, who's the king of the Jews right now? It's Herod. Does he really want—would—well, would, uh, <laughs> let's stop. we won't talk about Trump right now. But uh, I can see him not being happy if someone were to tell him, hey, the uh, next president has uh, been born. But Herod was, uh, he was a genius, he was quite a politician, Um, brilliant, he fit into Chicago really well because he knew how to make everybody happy with his words. So he kept Rome at bay, right? Rome actually owned Judea, but they let Herod be king because Herod brilliantly pleased the Caesar. You know, he pleased the uh, higher-ups in Rome, and he gave them money, and he said the right things, and so they liked him because he would do what they want, but he also brilliantly kept. The Israelites, the Israelis, the Jews at bay too, because he wasn't a Davidic king. So, he wasn't supposed to be called King of Israel or of Judah because he was not fully Jewish. He was not related to David, and the only person that can call themselves king in Israel and in Judah and in Jerusalem is a Davidic king. You have to be in the line of David. And for years, the Jews have been waiting for a Davidic king to take over. Herod was not that, and they hated him. But Herod bought them off. He expanded the temple. He gave them gifts, right? See? And so he got to be King Herod. So he hears about this, and uh, Herod, like many, many people back then, and quite honestly today, he didn't like the idea of a king, another king being in town, because he was king. We don't need any more kings, right? And so this frightened him. But notice who else it frightened. All Jerusalem with him. Everyone was scared that there was a king born in Judah, right? And so Herod calls together all the chief priests, the scribes, of the people. These are people that should know better. They should know exactly who this king is. They've been praying for a king. Supposedly, that's what they've been saying. Every synagogue day, every time in the temple, prayers, the scripture were talked about. Oh, come, king of David. We can't wait for you to save us. Oh, Lord, save us from those Romans. Come and save us from this Herod. They've been praying this forever. And now when someone says a king's been born, well, they're a little frightened. And so is Herod. Because you see, the people of Jerusalem, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they might have said that they couldn't stand King Herod. They might have said how much they're upset that Rome is in charge of, of Israel and Judah, and they don't belong here, and, and we need God to save us from those Romans, and we need God to get rid of They said all the right things. They inspired the people with a nationalism, but in the end, you see, they liked their position, because they were in charge. And maybe they weren't in charge in charge, like maybe they'd like to be, but they had enough of it. They got to play that perfect role of looking like the rebel to the people, and yet kind of being a leader. See, because Rome would let them. That's the genius of Rome. It was not a draconian government. It was a brilliant government. It was a peaceful government that kept the peace. Why? Because it let the Jews kind of be in charge of their own area. And that's… That's the genius of all tyrannies, by the way, making you think that your king is the worst tyranny. And so, they were frightened too. Even though they prayed that God would save them, the fact that a king had been born scared them to the bone. Why? Because they liked being king. Now we read this story of Herod, right? I mean, when you see, hear the word Herod, you, you immediately, right, you've got uh, tingling down your spine. You hate this guy, right? Herod rises on your arm. Oh, Herod, that terrible—you mean Herod, the one that killed all those little babies? You mean Herod, uh, the one that uh, had Jesus killed, stood by, and, and let Jesus die? That, you mean—it's you mean, not the same Herod, by the way, it's his son. We don't like that name, right? We're not Herod, right? Are you Herod? No way! You, you wouldn't kill Jesus. And then you read these other guys, the Pharisees and the chief priests. Are you the chief priest? Of the Pharisees? No way. Are you kidding? Boy, if someone told me that the king was here, I'd be happy. I'd rush to, to, to Bethlehem and see him. Who are you in this story? Are you the wise men? You think you are. Oh, we're the wise men, Pastor. We're not, though, are we? We're no different- this is really important- you are no different than Herod. (laughs) Everyone born is born a Herod. Did you know this? Jordan Peterson, a favorite uh, uh, philosopher, psychologist of mine, says that when you read a story, you really should put yourself- if you're smart, you're going to put yourself not in the role of the hero of that story, or if you're reading a historical act or event. We, we want to put ourselves in the mind frame of the hero, or we want to put ourselves in the mind frame of the victims in an historical atrocity or event. But Peterson rightly says, you should put yourself in the shoes of the perpetrator first. See, we're no different than Herod. Now, uh, uh, we're more like the Pharisees, I suppose, really, because we say that we want a king. We pray, oh Lord, we pray, don't we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. But do you really want a king? you really want Jesus to rule in your life? You like to say you do. And we do on Sundays for an hour, and then we want to leave our king here in the pulpit, leave us alone for a week, and we'll come back and see you like he's in a cage. And we come and visit him like a zoo animal, right? That's us. We should know better, but that's how we are. We don't really want a king every day. or. Or we want him to speak, but we don't want him to speak all the time. Or we want him to say what we want him to say, right? Like Thomas Jefferson, we like to cut things out of the Bible that don't agree with us. We want our king to say things that make us feel good all the time, that uh, pump us up all the time, that give us good sense of self-esteem. We want to take everything out of the Bible so that we feel good, things that we agree with. Yeah, you can be king here, Jesus yes, you are totally right here, and other areas we don't. We usually say that's liberal Christianity. That's what liberal Christianity is. It's taken away the Word of God. It no longer is the Word of God. And they end up sort of cutting and pacing and only taking what they want from the Bible. And we uh, biblical Christians laugh at our, our brothers and sisters, our liberal Christian friends, but you're no different. We don't like to hear Jesus tell us to love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't like it when he says, forgive seven times seventy. We don't want Jesus to tell us what to do with our body, with our money, with our generosity, with our forgiveness. Because in the end, we all want to be king, don't we? We want to be king, but there's only one king. And I get why people don't want Jesus to be king, because it's scary if indeed he is. Because it's scary. If Jesus is a king who only came to judge and condemn, if Jesus is a king who only came to tell us what's wrong, then we wouldn't want him to speak, or we'd want to pretend that we're okay. It would make sense if you were really scared of this king who came to judge. Because if indeed he is king, we all fall. But who is this king? It is the one who came as a baby, vulnerable, approachable, gentle, meek, mild. Who is this king that we're supposed to be so scared of? It's the one that came as an infant in Bethlehem. Grew up in Nazareth, hung out with, with fishermen, normal people. But more than that, it's the one who touched the leper, who hung out with the sinners, who let the prostitute touch him and worship him and cry on his feet. It is the one who laid down his crown and laid down his life for Herod. He did. Jesus died for Herod for those cheap priests and those Pharisees who all wanted to be king, those hypocrites, and you and me. That's the king that has come to rule over us, to tell us what's up, to tell us how to live, you bet, and to point out our failures and our sins, you bet, but more especially to wipe away our sins. This is the king who loves to hear you say, I screwed up. Who loves to hear people say, I'm a total mess. Who loves to hear people honestly say, I want to be king, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus loves to hear that because he's the king that died for that, that forgives that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the king that we worship. That's the king who rules over us, whether you like it or not, by the way. And that's the king that we want to tell others about. And I firmly believe that we are here, like the star and like the angels, telling people in this community that a king has been born. But I also firmly believe that people do not know who this king is. When they hear that, when they hear Christianity and those words, they assume that it means moralism and judgment, and that's what they think, and that's the king. And they don't want to hear about that king, and nobody does. And they're wrong not to want to hear about him, but that's all they think about when they think about Christianity. Does that make sense? But we have ke- are here to tell them the full story about this king, one who's come not simply to judge or condemn, but to completely forgive, to love, and to give life for free. That's the king that we should be talking about at our office, at school, at work, and in our families. In Jesus' name, amen.